Welcome to Black Podcast Revolution. I'm Jasmine. I am Maria. So uh, today we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. Uh, we mm. recently got a producer for this podcast, the wonderful L. Wynn, who you can go ahead and follow on Instagram at L the Act. Uh, alchemist um and that's el not not the letter l uh they're wonderful and they are helping whip this podcast into shape so thank you so much l um yeah i mean I'll, i i think also the uh the, the link to their instagram will also be in the show notes so you can check that out there if you can't spell like me yes that's correct we'll put we'll put a link in the show notes also um I'll add a link to their Instagram on our SoundCloud page so that uh, more more easy access. Uh, also on our Patreon. At any rate, um, we also have another wonderful announcement. Uh, we have received our first reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we got two five star ratings, uh, and then one of uh, one of the people who left a rating also left a review. Um, so a good strong rife wrote. Uh, intelligent informative and entertaining so big thank you to a good strong wife uh i would ask that uh anyone listening to this right now please go to apple podcasts and rate and review this podcast it really helps with discoverability so that more people can listen and uh yeah we'd also ask that you please 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 subscribe to our patreon uh black podcast revolution on patreon um because we have member exclusive episodes now. So you can go ahead and listen to us talking about W.B. Du Bois' uh, essay, I Won't Vote. And we'll have more wonderful exclusive, uh, patron exclusive content coming up soon. Yes, truly very exciting. Yeah, so let's get into the the real, you know, the fun the fun stuff now. Uh, we're returning to our discussion of the history of Trinidad and Tobago, and um, we're going to be structuring things a little bit differently from now on. Uh, instead of sort of reading through the the book, uh, we are going to be basically weaving our our own narrative of the history now focusing on what uh the parts that we think are most important and and not doing as much direct quoting uh so this episode will be focused on the late 18th century and um the french revolution and how that affected the caribbean uh the french and haitian revolutions how they affected mm. the caribbean and uh the next episode that we do on um the topic of history will be uh, on the 19th century and the British colonial period of Trinidad's history. And the third episode after this will be the 20th century and independence. So uh, we'll be getting through the history part of Trinidad and Tobago uh, for um, within like before the end of the year, probably. Then starting next year, we'll have wonderful... Uh, more theoretical content now that we've gotten the historical context out of the way we'll be covering capitalism and slavery as well as Kwame Turi's writings on black power and uh yeah it's gonna be fun stuff 
So uh, let's jump into the history. Yes, exciting. So Africa to the rescue, right? We have we yes. have ourselves we have ourselves a, a labor shortage owing to doing lots of very nice murdering of all the native people, and also you know that's their land; they're familiar with it, so they can fight back really very effectively, and. Yes, so the uh, the Spanish colonists began to import labor, uh, to put it lightly. Where did they uh, get these wonderful volunteers from? Ah, volunteers, yes. Uh, these volunteers were obtained, of course, from Ireland, as you know, since Irish people <laughs> were slaves too. Uh, but yeah, mostly from West Africa in places like a literal country called Slave Coast. They changed their name after independence for obvious reasons. Uh, so uh, the, the Triangle Trade, as it is known, the Middle Passage of the Triangle Trade, uh, caused had, had massive shockwaves across both Africa and the quote-unquote New World. So uh, in, Afri- in Africa, over 50 million people were lost, as in they got, they were like either killed, they were on the slave ships, and died during the Middle Passage, and you know changed the migration patterns of sharks for the centuries. Uh, uh, or why sharks? Successfully, Maria? oh sharks, because sharks eat flesh, basically, <laughs> and when someone dies aboard a slave ship. There's no desire to take them all the way and give them a respectable burial. So they just toss their ass overboard. And the sharks get a nyum nyum, nice little tasty meal. And yeah, so, also so many people, some people escaped were tossed too overboard. And, and jumped off. That, that does, yes, that did in fact happen. But sadly, more, more commonly, People died in the Middle Passage because it was so brutal and conditions were so bad that disease was rampant and also also death was rampant. Wait, so and you're telling me that if you pack a bunch of humans into a boat like sardines and have them like literally all sit in like a layer, like maybe centimeter at least deep layer of everyone's collective shit, like someone will spread disease? Yeah, it seems unbelievable to us now, but yes, diseases do spread when there's just absolute fucking squalor and starvation. Something that has not like occurred during the current coronavirus pandemic in cities such as Los Angeles and San Francisco. Such a thing could never happen. (laughs) That's definitely not a thing that that has continuously been occurring. So I think something that's interesting about the the African slave trade is that we often associate it with uh, the sort of like, you know, new world and slave plantations in either the American South or in the the Caribbean. Um, But slavery was actually practiced in um, uh, slavery of Africans was actually practiced in in Europe as well, wasn't it? Yeah. So the the first uh, enslaved people uh, were taken from Africa in 1441 and brought to Portugal. 1441, of course, is before 1492, 
when uh, the new world was again quote unquote discovered and it had a pretty so, uh, big impact on the Portuguese language didn't it how would how would I know anything about that oh well you, you the, seem to know so oh, okay okay well the <laughs> well because of the association that the Portuguese began to have with uh, blacks and manual labor, the Portuguese verb to work ended up morphing into uh, a verb meaning to work like a moor. Ah, yes, the moors, as a before blackness was invented. Yeah, and uh, and also white supremacy was invented because those those things were in fact invented for a purpose. Indeed. And then this is the poopers right here. 50 million people being stolen from Africa. Masses of death and, and filth and squalor and extreme violence. Well, an entire life of extreme violence. So um, you mentioned that uh, blackness and white supremacy were, were things that were constructed. Um, mm -hmm. This was something that um, some of our, uh, you know, some of the well-known philosophers of the Enlightenment actually uh, participated in constructing, like, ideologically, this uh, sort of, quote-unquote, scientific uh, difference between uh, blacks and whites. Um and as promised in the last episode, we, we do have a quote from Hume um, that ah, y'all yes. will love. <laughs> oh, 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 favorite Enlightenment thinker who truly believed in equality of men. Big asterisk on, on that one. Uh, so from, from Hume, we have, I am apt to suspect the Negroes to be naturally inferior to the whites. There scarcely ever was a civilized nation of that complexion, nor ever any individual eminent either in action or speculation. No so, ingenious manufacturers among them, no arts, no sciences. On the other hand, the most rude and barbarous of the whites, such as the ancient Germans, the present Tartars, have still something eminent about them in valor, form of government, or some other particular. Such a uniform and constant difference could not happen in so many countries and ages if nature had not made an original distribution between these breeds of men. Not to mention our colonies, there are Negro slaves dispersed all over Europe, of whom none ever discovered any symptoms of ingenuity, though low people without education will start up among us and distinguish themselves in every profession. In Jamaica, indeed, they talk of one Negro, Francis Williams, as a man of parts and learning. But it is likely he is admired for slender accomplishments, like a parrot who speaks a few words plainly. So I think it's worth <laughs> noting that this uh, this is actually the revised version of the statement. Um it, this is a uh, footnote that was found in the well, that, a footnote that is present in uh, the essay by Hume of na of national character, uh, char character or characteristics, uh, something of that uh, nature. And um, 
This was actually amended in uh, like 1758, I want to say, to sort of be less racist than it originally was, uh, because the the original statement actually uh, posited the the idea that uh, there were... um, four or five distinct species of of, of humans <laughs> yeah that was a that was a pretty common uh, opinion the, the 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 main thing was the number like the the it, it, it was a very common like scientific fact i suppose heavy scare quotes that there were different species of human and the white species was the superior. Just the question of the ranking and the number, like, those, those, those were the debates. The, the debate was within the ranking and the division, except for white and at the top, respectively. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. It's a very, just... very vigorous debate. There's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of questions that could be, that need, need to be answered. In this case, I think we might need to break out the calipers. Oh yeah, the calipers, vital. So yeah, this is the this is the I, least. There's like a the, there's like a really good uh, YouTube series by uh, YouTuber Hakim talking about like just how fucking arbitrary every single one of the calipers slash brain <laughs> volume slash this particular part of the brain volume shit is going on, and like how conveniently clipped their samples are and lots lots of other fun stuff oh my goodness but yeah, yeah i just like, thought it was it's, important. it's a long series <laughs> like he's, he's just talking about oh yeah so this guy had this theory and he was like okay so his evidence was like that particular people had like a different part of their head a different size and he's like <laughs> well they, they 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 measured more people and as it turns out there's no actual measurable difference between different races and they decided oh this means that this this other thing is the thing that we have to look for (laughs) and then they expanded their sample again and again there was no measurable difference (laughs) you'll have to see it it's it's pretty great like that that that, that's that's the that's the fundamentals of race science right there is uh clip your sample uh and and do all the forms of abuses of statistics so, so if, if like, you're taking like, like a stats science. 101 class you could like you, you 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 could do this by just like when when the professor says don't do this you just do that and there you go you're a race scientist <laughs> yeah it's like it's like flat earth science or, or or creationist science where um all of the evidence that does not uh, conform to my pre-held belief, uh, therefore must be discarded as faulty. <laughs> Probably a Jewish conspiracy too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I just think it's important to note that uh, <laughs> this is the less the less racist version of, of this statement. <laughs> yeah, but it was, that's, uh, that's it, was it, it was a common sentiment. And, uh, you know, our very own American founding father, Thomas Jefferson, also had uh, quite quite a bit to say about uh, about the difference in, in, in races as well. And uh, mm-hmm. we, we all know how that turned out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, 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 the man who had uh, many, uh, let's 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 say half white children <laughs> by definitely respecting the consent of the people he fucking owns. 
Uh, yeah, and of course, this man was played by a black man on Broadway. Yas Queen, etc. Progress. Yeah, yeah, it's progress. Uh, we, we, we should let all, all uh, co- colonialist apology be very diverse. Of course. My, so... my favorite part of Hamilton <laughs> is that there's like... The the whole he's he he started out as a Caribbean slaver is like five seconds of the first song. It's just like cool. Uh, there's there's no implications of this <laughs> at all. Hamilton was born it's in like, Jamaica. That, that, that doesn't right? mean anything. <laughs> what he was he was born in Jamaica. Uh, I think I think it was St. Kitts. Oh, okay. oh one, one of the one of the small islands. Okay. I don't pay attention to that fucking shit. Fuck Hamilton. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, despite the uh, the sort of um, lies of our uh, of of the wonderful Enlightenment philosophers, um, there's actually a, a rich license. history <laughs> of uh, of African civilization, and not just in Egypt. Yeah, you know, we we were in fact kings. Yes. So we had um, Mali and Ghana and Songhai. Uh, those were all in like the, the West African region. Um, massive trade empires that uh, uh, centered around salt and gold that were traded in Timbuktu. And mm-hmm. salt uh, is a very Mansa valuable Musa. Uh, resource. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Mansa Musa was one of the, the the richest men to have ever 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 lived in like the history of humanity, and uh, he went mm. on a very uh, famous pilgrimage to Mecca, where he um, it was the um, it was a very lavish trip where he basically took as much gold as he could, and uh, and went went to Mecca, and he just like basically threw the gold out wherever he went. So um, it was actually it turned out to be. Um, one of the largest like exchanges of like gold in like in history was just like the the displacement of all this gold on this pilgrimage like a- across uh africa and, and into the um arabian peninsula see like the, the 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 thing that offends me about like Carnegie and rockefeller and shit is that they don't do shit like this like the the least you could do you know being like the first billionaire in the fucking 1920s is like do shit like this you know just like just 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 hang, just just go to fucking rural missouri one time because you just like how it is there because rural missouri fucking owns and just like just 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 throw like hundred dollar bills around you know that, that that's the kind of shit that we need from rich people these days I mean, I think the reject difference modernity. there is that re- re- reject modernity, <laughs> Cayman Islands, embrace tradition, just fucking throw in hundred dollar bills everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I think that the main difference there is that Rockefeller and Carnegie uh, were not were not Muslim, so they uh, they didn't they didn't know the 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 true way to to deal with their wealth. Ah, they they were just Christians who, of course, were the size of a camel. Indeed, yeah they <laughs> they uh uh they, they worked very hard for what they had, you know. Good old Protestant work th- work ethic. Yeah, it's uh 
you 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 gotta have the Protestant look at it. Like you, you you did your hard work. You got your billions of dollars. You uh, have your billions of dollars because you you deserve it. And good people get lots of money because God loves them. Indeed, that's just how it works. So I think that it's um important to to note that. This relationship that uh, sort of, I mean, if you could call it, it's pretty one-sided of a relationship, but um, sort mm-hmm. of this uh, this relationship that, that existed between initially the Portuguese uh, and the uh, various um, sort of tribes and kingdoms that uh, inhabited the Western African coast, namely uh, the kingdom of, of Congo, what started out quite differently than, than how it ended up. And um, the king the king of Congo actually uh, converted to Christianity and changed his name to the name of the first king of Portugal. So he attempted to to be friends with, uh, with the Europeans and even was elevated to the status of bishop by the Pope. Later, yeah, as... I, I, I... My my favorite thing about all this is how like everyone interacting with Europeans is like, yeah, these guys are fucking normal, right? They're normal. They're, they're like they're <laughs> gonna be decent, nice people. And then at every point, the Europeans are like, well, fuck you. Like, just get <laughs> fucked, bro. I like I don't give a fuck about your well being. Get get fucked in like in no one's suit and tombs. And they're just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, what is your goddamn damage? Yeah, so yeah, like, as... we we have guns, so get fucked. It's just like, I guess. Will like, you that, sell that's us not guns? Very mature. No. <laughs> it's like that's that's not a very mature way to like run a society. Like we're <laughs> we're adults. Like we we can just have a discussion. You don't have to like shoot us and take our shit. And the Europeans are just like, well, is there any physical way for you to stop me from shooting you and taking your shit? If it's no, no then that's a very bad sign for you. <laughs> but yeah, so as, you know, people start getting stolen en masse from the continent, um, the king of the Congo, as well as many other kings and, and, and tribal leaders, like, started to outlaw slavery in their jurisdictions because uh, they were realizing that this is not um, a sort of simple, yeah. uh, you know... I'm gonna Yeah, this this this, this isn't the, like the at the time contemporary way of doing slavery, you know, like instead of debtors prisons, you know, you just get let the guy work for him until he's is paid off. Like that that was that's that's like that's evil and violent. Yeah, you know. Just being owned by a guy because you couldn't pay your debts to him is like that is really bad, you know. But it's not exactly getting dragged away, far away, where you'll never see your family again. And your own forever. There's no debt to pay. Yeah. And your children are owned, like too. You're, you're, you're just, like, you're just chilling out outside of your... the fucking water fountain in the middle of town, and just some white assholes just fucking grab your ass. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not a very good system for having people feel safe and secure. And and having a good running society, I will say. Yeah. Well, um, 
now we've got all these now we've got all these people uh these these workers uh vo- volunteer laborers and um volunteer indeed yeah there's there's literally millions of them and um remember the last time we uh saw trinidad uh there was a little over a thousand people a thousand white people on the island and uh so what were they going to do with with all these million people uh millions of people uh one very industrious planter had an idea (laughs) so um yes blacks were brought from africa to solve the labor problem while french people were brought to trinidad to solve the management problem so Uh, yes the french (laughs) yes noted uh noted very humane runners of slave colonies the french (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's, it's them and the Belgians, really. Oh yeah, for real. <laughs> so yes, one one industrious gentleman, Room de Saint Laurent, proposed a plan for French colonists to be brought to Trinidad to solve the problem of incompetent Spanish management. So, uh, as we spoke about in earlier episodes, Trinidad is pretty far to the south of the Caribbean. Like it's basically about as south as you can get in the caribbean sea it is, it is literally as south as you can get it is the southernmost caribbean island I, I don't know like what that that that's that's one of the things that is about it you know yeah that's, that's one of the things that like is is notable yeah so um yeah it's very far south and it's kind of out of the way of the main line of like hurricane alley so um hurricane belt yeah the hurricane belt is it oh that's tornado tornado alley so this isn't this isn't the midwest okay well the hurricane belt in the caribbean um so (laughs) the thing about the uh the french colonies was that they were a lot farther north and frequently getting uh destroyed by by hurricanes so um they were like, well, we maybe don't want to be on these islands anymore because we keep Where getting... all of our shit gets destroyed by hurricanes every year. Yeah. You know, that's that's pretty bad for business, I'd say. Yeah, and there was also a, um, a massive ant problem as well. Um, ants were destroying the, the, the crops. So um, the French planters were like, well, maybe we could uh, move somewhere else and keep doing keep doing the thing that we're doing. So um, the plan was to move a bunch of, uh, I guess you could call them refugees because <laughs> they were fleeing a uh, natural disaster. <laughs> but you, move a bunch of French quote-unquote... French quote, <laughs> refugees, I will kill you. French refugees moved into... Uh, well, yeah, they were... <laughs> I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say what I was about to say. Um, you should not. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, so French refugees not. moving to uh, Trinidad to escape the natural disasters that were uh, that, uh, affecting their colonies, they came yeah. See, and... The, 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 the thing about this is that it's very entertaining to me is that the Native Americans like of the area somehow had managed to survive the hurricanes. Like, what's the fucking problem, Europeans? Yeah, but were were the native people building like you know, colonial style like European buildings? 
like like a square like a fucking rectangle building <laughs> listen you, you you can't convince me to use those inferior Native American building techniques <laughs> that have literally survived the whole time and been useful. Look, I'm pretty sure that the science is on our side because you build you build a rectangle building, you know, it gets blown down, you can build it again, you know, you stop you stop doing uh custodial fires, um, you know, a big fire happens. I think it's more efficient that yeah, way. Yeah, you you know what you should do? Well, you should uh you should not only import eucalyptus trees from Australia <laughs> and plant them fucking everywhere. <laughs> you should also not do controlled boons and also build in a fire alley. Because you want to get away from black people in Los Angeles City. Yeah. But, you know, that, that that's that's later on. That's later on in the story. That's in, the, that's in the 1950s. We, we're not we're not there yet. Indeed. So, <laughs> so uh, it's it's. I think it's uh, important to note that um, it was already sort of a, a practice for uh, Caribbean colonies to be leased out, uh, or at least sections of them to be leased out to to other countries, or for islands to be shared between countries. Um, notably. Uh, St. Martin is uh, currently, to this day, uh, split between France and the Netherlands. Mm. So, oh, still. there's there's a different one that was uh, split between France and uh, and Spain. Pretty important one. We might see them soon. Yeah, <laughs> Pot- potentially. Yeah, we we will uh, pretty soon. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So these these uh, French planters. Uh, agree to come and there is a uh, a law that's passed to um, allow this to happen so uh, basically it's a 18th century version of tax breaks for the wealthy um, massive massive uh, rebates on uh, foreign investment so French people are allowed to settle as long as they're Roman Catholic are allowed to settle and start plantations on the island of Trinidad, and they are exempted for for years and years and years. Um, and it actually turns out um, because of just how like the the short amount of time left in the Spanish colonial period, for the remainder of the Spanish colonial period, these um, these new planters these who were fucks paid zero taxes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had zero taxes, zero duties, zero tithes. Um, they had it very good. Um, so what we see from the yeah, this 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 is this is the state of Delaware right here. <laughs> Indeed. So yeah, what we see from this influx of both uh, slaves and wealthy whites to manage slaves is a uh, revitalization of Trinidad's economy where um, the sort of massive tracts of land that had sort of been completely undeveloped were actually seized by the the Spanish government under the custodianship of Don Jose Maria Chacon and redistributed to uh, people who they were sure could... uh, efficiently cultivate uh, large spaces of territory 
with uh, with slaves. And, and actually, the amount of land that you received and the amount of sort of benefits that you received also was uh, proportionate to the amount of slaves that you could introduce to the colony. And uh, I think it's important to note that this wasn't just for white people. Uh, freed black people, freedmen, could also... Uh, settle on Trinidad. And if they owned slaves, they could also get uh, some rebates as well. But um, everything for for freed blacks was uh, discounted compared to the the amount of uh, rebates and and, and other uh, wonderful things uh, white people got. So a freedman could get a plantation, but it would be a fraction of the size of the plantation that uh, a white person could get. This is the, this is the kind of thing that we need to be talking about. You need to lean in and get the same amount of money for owning slaves. Yeah, I think we need more black slave owners. Like it's 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 really like fundamentally unfair that white people get more money for slave owning than black people. Like that's just wrong. We should uh, we should have that we should have that be equal. We really should. So um. Basically, uh, all of the sort of um, restrictions that we had covered in the last episode regarding the exclusive and the obligation of Trinidad to trade only with Spain and uh, and all of the problems that that entailed, it was completely abandoned. Um, the exclusive was a bad idea from the start. And uh, it really just ruined the the local economy that had previously existed prior to white people being introduced to the area. The invasive species well, I mean, of white I, I, people. I, I think the I think the mass murder also did a big number on the economy of the place that they tried that was stealing. Yeah, uh, as as it turns out, murdering a lot of people and like lots of people dying. Uh, it does, in fact, make the economy do bad. <laughs> uh, so this is unrelated to anything that's going on right now. I don't know. Line's still going up. Well, you know, thank, thank, thank Mr. Federal Reserve for that, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. So the, the sort of um, a, a new economic orthodoxy is emerging where um, – the government is not going to uh, sort of try and take um, complete monopoly control over a colony and is instead going to allow independent investors to uh, sort of do their own thing. And what happens is a, uh, you know, an expansion of uh, capitalist enterprise across the Caribbean and a... Uh, revitalization of the economy and uh i think it's important you know it's really important to note that when we talk about you know revitalizations of economies and uh you know production increasing that it that it's important to note um you know who who is reaping the benefits of of these policies and and these quote unquote like improvements um and it, it's it's the white it's the white people and the rich, rich people yeah, like that. That's that's just kind of it. I, I I also love how like the Spanish colonial government just did modern monetary theory. It's like <laughs> if you dump a ton of money into in, in, into a place, you know, the, the the place does in fact begin to have more money. Yeah, it's it's just like that. That is kind of how it goes. 
Yeah, and we also see a a shift from uh, depending on Spain from supplies to a inter Caribbean interdependence. So uh, rather than you know waiting for uh, thirty years for maybe a cow to come from Spain, but probably not, um, they were allowed to just you know get a, get some cows from Venezuela and. Uh, the um the governor of Venezuela was uh instructed to just give them as many cows as they needed from you know the mainland of South America until the cow population on Trinidad was uh self-sustaining and all oh, sorts yes. of like things like this uh created a a complete reorientation of the way economic activity in the region operated and just uh c- caused a in a general increase in in commerce Yes, always very good. An increase in commerce. That's when the line is going up, and that is good. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Chacon uh, was sort of considered, um, sort of in in uh, Trinidad history, to be the uh, sort of best uh, governor, best Spanish governor of Trinidad. Um, and it's, Which is a high bar, as we know. Yeah, it's it's a pretty, you know, considering what we know from our earlier episodes, it's a pretty high bar considering how amazing Trinidad was doing prior to his governorship. Um, but it's uh, it's something that is again mostly uh, sort of attributable to these monetary reforms. Um, so there were a couple of things that he introduced that I think it's important to note. Uh, with the increase in population uh, and the sort of uh, dispersal of, you know, all of these different people across the island, uh, Chacon divided Trinidad into three administrative regions that were overseen by, uh, you know, lesser uh, authorities that were under his control. And uh, they were called uh, commissioners. And uh, commissioners of population, sorry. And their jobs were to take the census, measure plantation production and land allotment, and build lo- uh, build roads. And they also acted as, as cops. And they were uh, also entrusted to, quote unquote, prevent, the inhu- prevent inhumanity to and ill treatment of the slaves. Um, one thing that was required of uh, the actual plantation owners was that as roads were built across the island, um, plantation owners were expected to sort of uh, provide fruit trees to line these roads in order to provide sort of beautification for for the island. Boulevard of broken slaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, as, uh, you know, digging a little deeper into this note on preventing inhumanity to an ill treatment of the slaves, uh, it's important to note that uh, both Trinidad and, uh, for a time, Cuba were notable for their, uh, quote-unquote, humane treatment of blacks on the, on the respective islands. And this was uh, attributable to the... Um, Code Noir that was instituted on, on both islands, uh, which provided for uh, different levels of, of protection and different um, sort of uh, 
punishments and fines for ill ill treatment of slaves. Um, notably in Trinidad, slaves were to be held in quarters where they, um, they were actually a slave, a slave quarter, uh, a slave living in a slave quarter was to have no more than one roommate. Um, and they were to be, uh, provided with, uh, Di- diverting activities on uh, Sunday after after Sunday prayers, uh, but but before sundown, um, there was no uh, you couldn't have any gatherings of slaves uh, after sundown, and uh, the the gatherings that were allowed to take place were supervised. Um, Williams, in, in case they didn't get it too excited, you know, so <laughs> think oh wow, there's so many of us, and it's only like like one slave owner, right? I don't know. It seems like something we could maybe take advantage of a bit. Yeah, and and slaves from different plantations were not allowed to uh fraternize with 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 each other. Um but slaves were encouraged to to marry um and uh and and have children. And uh yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, I I do wonder why. Um so Williams actually makes a really good note in his text where uh he sort of breaks breaks apart this myth of uh good good treatment of slaves um because like it, it wasn't um it wasn't because of something different about the way that Spain ran its colonies or uh about you know these individual governors just had bigger hearts um the material realities of production on these islands did not necessitate the kind of uh brutality that we saw on other islands like Haiti and Jamaica. So um in Cuba it's actually notable for for you know initially having this reputation for having a good a good treatment of slaves but as the economy of Cuba like really took off and the uh sort of demands of production really ramped up it became just as bad as any other Caribbean slave colony and Caribbean slave colonies were had a reputation for being very, 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 very bad. Um, It's important to note that uh, Haiti, uh, Jamaica and Barbados were noted to, for having uh, fully developed plantation economies with very poor treatment of their slaves. Haiti in particular, uh, was considered like the worst place to be a slave in the Caribbean at the time. Um, just rampant abuse of slaves. And, uh, yeah. And if you notice some of the dates that we've been talking about too, um, we are in the 1780s and yeah, the cool zone. (laughs) Yeah, we, we are, we are hitting the cool zone. Um, after a, uh, you know, terrible defeat in the, uh, Seven Years' War and a, another costly intervention in the American War for Independence, France was bankrupt and people in France were not happy. So they had a little, they had a little thing where they like, they, they chopped their king's head off and, uh. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was, uh, that was, that was a thing that was, uh, was occurring at the time. Yeah, People so <laughs> very happy about a lot of things happening in France, I would say. Yeah, uh, so this um this tricolor flag, the the red, white and blue flag of the French Revolution 
becomes a rallying sign for for many oppressed peoples across the world because in uh what was it 1791 i want to say uh the declaration of the rights of man and citizen were released and uh this was um an even further reaching document than the the declaration of independence that was uh sort of uh you know put out in america um and they have the most important human right jasmine what is it maria right to private property (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs) but yes the um the ideals of the french revolution um make their way to the colonies and it, it becomes a really sticky situation for this revolutionary government at home who is proclaiming freedom and democracy, you know, liberty, egalité, fraternité uh, across uh, the land. And they have uh, a bunch of colonies um, where they have a bunch of slaves. So in Haiti in particular, uh, the slaves are like, what gives? Like you you killed your king. You you said everyone's equal. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, what they want is fully automated uh luxury. Gay space communism. <laughs> uh s- s- such a thing is in fact completely dependent on people in Haiti being beaten <laughs> to death, you see. <laughs> which is you know, which is very you, you should definitely keep that in mind. Yeah, the uh I mean as as we could um I I'll point our our point our listeners to a wonderful uh essay written by uh one Friedrich Engels called uh Socialism Utopian and Scientific that has a wonderful uh, uh critique of the um lofty uh, rhetoric of the French Revolution as opposed to the bourgeois reality of the French Revolution. But um, in Haiti, things weren't gonna gonna stop. Um, things got out of hand quite quickly, in fact. And uh, the slaves turned against their masters. And they were like, we, we are going to not have slavery on this island anymore. And and we will cover Haiti um, after we finish uh, talking about, uh, you know, everything that we want to talk about with Trinidad, um, because it's a very interesting um, situation. Um, presently, though, I would point our listeners to the wonderful podcast uh, by, is it Mike Duncan of The History of Rome? He has a podcast called Revolutions Podcast, where he... There's a great series on both the French and Haitian revolutions and their uh, um, after effects. Um, he's currently actually doing one on the Russian Revolution. So if you're interested in uh, learning more about revolutionary history across time, uh, I would, again, point you to the Revolutions podcast. Uh, but yeah, things in, things in Haiti were going to go south pretty fast. And, you know, it, it, it seemed like it was going to be okay at first, but the... The white people got really obnoxious and they really didn't want to get rid of their slaves. So, uh, the Haiti, the they, Haitians, they, they had, they had to do, uh, uh, they, they, they had to do, uh, uh, they had to do a parody in Minecraft, you see. Yeah. Yeah. The Haitians made no excuse for their terror. 
they were like, well, you know, if it was us, not even an if, like when it was us, they were doing worse. So really, they brought it upon themselves. Yeah. So um, euphemisms aside, they killed all the white people. And that had reverberations across the entire slave-owning world. Uh, the um, everyone is such a thing even possible? <laughs> yeah, everyone was finally um, cognizant of the fact that there are more of them than us, and if they wanted to, they could do the same thing. So. Um, this becomes a really big issue as the uh, as the the French Revolution uh, spills out even further to become a a global conflagration of uh, you know first the coalition wars then later the uh, the Napoleonic Wars uh, and Trinidad becomes a bit of a safe haven because of Spain's uh, quasi-neutrality in the entire situation. so uh, the, old, the old Switzerland, huh? <laughs> yeah. So um, refugees uh, and emigres arrive in Trinidad, uh, but also some Republicans arrive in Trinidad. And uh, Chacon oh, and his butters... Those are the red guys, and they are bad, and we have to make them lose elections. Oh, no, 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 Maria, not, not those kinds of Republicans. I'm, I'm talking about, like, Jacobins. Ah, the good red guys. Yes, the good red guys. So, uh, Chacon in his letters begins to write about um, the... <sighs> The uh, rebellious slaves have begun to wave the French tricolor flag as a rallying cry for for independence and freedom, um, and and that that really that couldn't happen because y- you need to understand things in Trinidad were going really 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 good, like production in 1797 was 7800 hogsheads of sugar one from 159 sugar estates 330000 pounds of coffee from 130 coffee estates 96000 pounds of cocoa from 60 cocoa estates uh, a, a hogshead is about 250 liters ah yes so a lot so that's like, it's that a lot a it's a lot of sugar and of course, two hundred and twenty-four thousand pounds of cotton from a hundred and three cotton estates. So, this is like maybe like a little over mm. five hundred. If, if, if all, if all of the workers making this uh, stop working and decide to kill us, that would be very, very bad for the line. You see? Yeah, we can't let the line go down. So, uh, and another, another thing also happens where, um, as I was saying, the French Revolution has become a global conflagration known as the Coalition Wars and a British and, uh, a British and French ship actually end up in, uh, sort of the waters near Trinidad and the, uh, British and French soldiers uh, actually land on the island and they're about to have a, a battle right in the middle of Port of Spain. And so Chacon has to like run out into the middle of the street with like his little militia 
and be like, hey, uh, no, you can't have a fight here. Like, I don't even know why you're here. Please, please leave. And he's able to to um, sort of diffuse the situation. But tensions have become like like they've they have, you know, permanently and irre- 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 irreversibly entered the cool zone. Um, so yeah, you know, you 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 treat you mistreat people and then you give them the impression that something other than mistreatment is possible. Uh, generally, they don't like that. Yeah, like a whole ass revolutionary army like showed up on the shores of Trinidad and was about to like potentially liberate the whole place. But um, yeah, no, it's it's pretty pretty crazy. Um, as we know, uh, in in 1797, the first coalition falls apart. Uh, the French as, revolutionary as army, filled with Elan uh, and and esprit de corps, you know, just trounces all of the monarchical powers of Europe, the combined the combined forces of reaction uh, to spread this uh, specter of republicanism across the land. And Spain was forced out of the coalition and a Napoleon placed a puppet uh, a puppet ruler on the Spanish throne. So Spain switches sides in the middle of the conflict and is now at war with Great Britain. So hmm. But as as we remember, Spain had basically no way of uh, defending their colonies. So Great Britain, basically using its Im- immense, massive, crazy, amazing navy, just island hopped across the entire Caribbean and just ate up all of Spain's colonies. So one one day in 1797, a uh, a a British ship captained by Sir Ralph Abercrombie shows up to Trinidad. And I mean, it's not just a ship, it's a fleet. Uh, Abercrombie had 18 ships and Chacon only had four ships to defend the island with. So Chacon and Apodaca, his, uh, his, uh, like militia leader basically decided to, uh, Surrender. They're like, yeah, I, I don't think that just dying for no reason is a good idea. So I'm going to go ahead and not do that and surrender instead. Right. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the thing that Mr. Sir Chacon was going for. And thus closes the, uh, the chapter of Spanish rule of Trinidad. Trinidad from this point until independence would be a British crown colony. And... Uh, yeah, things would be a little bit different, um, as we shall see in upcoming episodes. Um, I think it's important to note, though, that, uh, you know, as, as a, as farcical as this entire experience of Spanish imperialism has been, um, sort of the, the farce be, sort of like becomes, uh, even more like complete in the final punishment of Chacon the most successful Spanish governor of Trinidad who had a brain enough not to die for no reason fighting a superior British force. When returned to Spain, the king ordered him banished. Well, if the Americans could defeat the British with an inferior fighting force, why couldn't you? You know, it's not like they got lucky or anything. Yeah, it's not like they had help from both Spain and (laughs) France to do that. Yeah, you know. 
It's not that they not only had help from Spain and France, but also got lucky many very notable times. Indeed. That that didn't occur, or anything. So we've reached the end of our uh, the the um, 18th century history that we were going to discuss mm-hmm. today. Um, and uh, Maria, do you have any questions? <laughs> do I have any questions? So obviously, as Americans, we may have some idea of what the Homestead Acts in the United States were. Uh, how how does the distribution of land by the Spanish uh, act in a similar way to the Homestead Acts in the United States? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so, um, free grant, free grants of land are actually quite common in colonial situations because it's a handy way to ensure that people settle them where you want them to settle. Uh, no one's going to say no to free land, especially if they have the means to cultivate it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it, it does have sort of, uh, the same effect where, um, you know, it increases, uh, and encourages settlement in regions and, uh, you know, basically takes all of the land that was once, um, I, I, I could say possessed, but not really because like they didn't have the same idea of possession, but sort of once, uh, lived on by, by native Mm -hmm. peoples, uh, and turns it over to, you know, uh, the people who whoever is the good guys yeah you know the, the people who would better be better custodians of the land by uh leeching as much value out of the land as possible because that's how you are that's how you custodian things by sucking them dry ah, i mean what, what else do you do you know you 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 internalize profit and externalize losses indeed then go up uh and of course despite despite the being basically the entire source of wealth for the european empire uh caribbean colonies were often underfunded underdefended and ignored by the metropolitan government apart from taxation even under the more competent french spanish co-rule why is this and how has the relationship evolved to now the era of neocolonialism by lender imperialism yeah, so um, it's important to remember uh, that the Caribbean is really, 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 really far away from Europe. And a lot of the same problems that the fledgling U.S. faced uh, were faced all across the colonies of the quote-unquote New World. Um, these were remote outposts, and support was contingent on a country's ability to send enough ships around the world uh, to help them. So it's really important to remember, and, and, you know, history classes do a really good job of uh, separating every single, you know, important historical development into different discrete things, um, which actually is really bad for understanding the way that history works, because, you know, all of this stuff that we've been hap- that we've been talking about, you know, happened at the same time as you know the major religious wars like of the of the reformation era the 30 years war which was the bloodiest war to ever hit europe until world war one um you know other conflicts like the seven years war that put uh major strains on countries ability abilities to provide for their global empires like the seven years war was one of the first truly global uh 
con- conflagrations. Um, I mean, if you really want to be pedantic, the very first quote unquote world war was the war of Jenkins ear in the 1600s. But, um, the seven years war is generally agreed to be the first quote unquote world war where the, the colonies of these various nations were also the sites of many battles and, uh, colonial land was exchanged, uh, during these conflicts. So these were, these were massive conflicts that, that were very expensive to maintain. And, uh, basically if you spent all your money fighting a war, you didn't have a, as much money, you know, to be able to send to your colonies. Plus, if you were fighting against the British, there's a very good chance that you will just not be able to get a ship out of Europe and into the Caribbean because the British will just sink it. So, um, yeah, this relationship today has evolved in that, um, the hemisphere is like no longer beholden to like European capital as much as American and Canadian funds. Um, we will discuss later, uh, how sort of neocolonialism, uh, manifested itself in the relationship of Trinidad to the Bank of Canada. But, um, yeah, the, the technology and the relative stability of global trade, because we don't really have, uh, fingers crossed, uh, global conflagrations that, you know, really disrupt the, the trade routes, uh, anymore, um, this has allowed value extraction to occur like more efficiently. So it's, yeah, it's a relationship that has transitioned from direct violence to credit. And, uh, yeah. Di- direct violence, uh, to credit backed by direct violence. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, you you look at how France controls uh, its former colonies in Africa through various um, really stringent economic uh, policies and enforced austerity, as well as the um, Council of American uh, Business People, who truly runs the Haitian government. Um, like our frequent coups of Haiti is like it's it's pretty blatant as far as how. Uh, how these relationships operate. Mm-hmm. Your boy, baby doc. And do you have any questions for me, Ms. Jasmine? Yeah, I do. So my questions are, uh, like, one thing that I'm, like, really sort of interested in is, uh, like, why the narrative of uh, Black inferiority has been, like, so sticky um, we saw in our very first episode that um, it was frequently argued that um, native peoples who they wished to enslave were compared to monkeys, but um, that uh, comparison sort of dropped. Um, and so I'm, I'm just curious as to like why those changes occurred for for other uh, people and and why like. Even like to this day, like black people are like still called like monkeys and and, and things like that. Well, I I would say the uh, the 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 cultural facet of it mirrors the economic and other material necessities of it, instead of the other way around. In that, there there needs to be 
a an internal justification within the system of uh of liberalism to to to, to justify keeping an underclass. So the, the the cultural narratives towards, for instance, the native people, uh, did start to disappear, and were replaced with some more of the noble savage type uh, narratives. Mm-hmm. Just because it was no longer really necessary to justify, you know, quote unquote, civilizing the natives into being unpaid chattel workers slaves mm. so but like to the to this day there remains the necessity with within the system of capitalism to have an underclass of people that is made for work that that does all the things that no one else like none of the real people are gonna like defile themselves by doing uh so like in in the u.s for instance the uh the necessity of prison labor justifies the the cultural norms of black people being considered dangerous or more criminal hmm. and those those uh th- those necessities like from the colonial era to today uh, just like can continue to serve their purpose, essentially. All right. All right. I have one more question for you then. Mm-hmm. So we talked a little bit about um, the like, <laughs> like the true history of like uh, you know African civilization. You know there was the Hume quote where it was like you know black people don't have any civilization, and I mean he he said it more racistly than that, but um you know this idea that oh, yeah. black people don't don't have a history or black people don't have a real like you know just civilization like, just like in- inherently uncivilized right and right needing of a guiding hand you know Mr Kipling <laughs> yeah so um so we talked a little bit about sort of you know debunking that and and talking about like the true history that no there was in fact you know. Uh, you know, massive uh, empires and and various adv- advanced states that existed on the African continent, um, and and not and were not just limited to Egypt. Um, and, and, but like, I also wonder: uh, are there are there limits to to this sort of valorization of sort of past like accomplishments? Um, like you sort of jokingly uh, made reference to like we 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 were in fact like kings. Um, you know. Our listeners mm-hmm. may be aware of the "We Was Kangs" meme uh, that sort of is, is right. associated with hoteps. Um, like, and I'm just wondering, like, you know, especially like with the sort of association that this history has with like hoteps, like, what are like what the, are the, the more, limits? The more reactionary of, aspects of let's let's say black liberation, right? Like, uh, like what is like, what are the limits of you know being able to say like "We Was Kangs"? Well, so the 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 pervasity of blackness in our everyday lives, uh, as mentioned by as as not not even mentioned, as 
lengthily described by Franz Fanon in uh, Black Skin, White Masks, Chapter 5. Uh, it, it does seem to, I think, bring... It, it, it is relevant here, I think, just because the reality of... The, the, the reality of white supremacy means that there is really no justification that a black person can give to a white person in a in an idealist sense that will materially change the white the white person's view or the white society's view of black people or of this black person or of black societies even mm. because like even at the time that Hume wrote this it's not like the 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 black empires and the black nations of Africa were completely unknown. Like Hume, Hume was a scholar. I have to assume, since everyone seems to like him. Like he was a real small boy. I I don't think that it is <laughs> unbelievable that he would at least have some knowledge. And it did not, in fact, affect his uh, interesting opinions. <laughs> uh. I guess I guess to to make it less of a metaphor, I I, I like I think of it this way: if if someone is calling me the N word on the subway, there isn't really like a society I can point to in Black history that will convince him that he's wrong. Like what 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 can I say to him that will like like no 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 amount of real black history that explains like yeah black people are just as are, are just as intelligent are just as just as good at like managing at at self governance at at everything just just as good at standing on a subway platform you know like what what am I gonna tell that guy hmm. there's really nothing yeah. The, the the real usefulness of white supremacy is that is how atomized it is. Mm. Is at the same time atomized and overarching. Right. Could you like maybe like go into that a little bit more? So each each white person individually has a very large incentive for white supremacy to continue. Mm -hmm. because white supremacy is a large institution that assists every one of them in some way. Mm -hmm. what, 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 what did you want from me other than that? Oh, so, I just, like, yeah, it's, I just it's, wanted it's, to it's, know it's what really you meant by you, 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 you can't destroy the white supremacist institution and leave all the white people alone. But if you convince every single white... If you convince a lot of white people of something... That, that black people are equal to white people, then, like, you still have the institution of white supremacy. Mm. Like, this, you still have all of the historical knock-on effects and all of the current effects. Yeah, because, I mean, we kind of have that today where, you know, white children go to schools where they're taught, like, you know, 
no, everyone is equal. And, you know, we own slaves in the past, but, you know, that's bad. And also Martin Luther King Jr. is like a really cool dude. And like, I, I, I think that you would be very hard pressed to find a like, unless they were just like a literal neo-Nazi, like, I think you'd be very hard pressed to find a uh, like a, a white person nowadays that would, Who would just uh, like say, yeah, this this person is not as good as me. Right. Because they are black, they would instead say they are not as good as me because of some other justification. Yeah. All right. Or th- this isn't a bad place because it's a black neighborhood. This is a bad place because there's crime statistics. <laughs> right. That have their own, like, white supremacist source. Right. That is not, like, u- usefully not mentioned. Right. So I guess so, finally, um, oh, I, I, I guess what I would say is that like fundamentally t- convincing white people that black people are just as good as them is like, it's not, is not the play, you know, mm. M- making it unavoidable that they have to accept that or else is the play. Mm. Like materially accept that. Materially. Yes. Mm. So I guess finally, um, you know, what, what, what do you think we can, we can learn from, uh, from what we've, what we've talked about, uh, for, for today, like, uh, you know, present, present day, you know, we talk about history, but, um, history, you know, can inform our understanding of the way that things, right. Yeah. (laughs) So, so what can we learn about this? One of the important things is to remember that like even now the colonial or neo-colonial imperialist relationships between the third world and the, the global south and the global north are very similar to this at, mm. at the very moment and the, the the thing that holds everyone that, that holds everyone in this situation like in locked in place like this is violence from the global north mm-hmm. you know well, one of the most important things we can do if you are like some people present and believe that the, the third world has a lot of power to break the system of capitalism that the third world should be allowed to play stem Minecraft the tide, stem, stem the tide of of violence from the first world. Mm. And yes, that the third world should be allowed to play Minecraft on occasion. <laughs> and, you know, if that means that the price of lithium goes up, potentially, I think we'll live. And we, we don't have to go there. Okay, but if, if the price of lithium is high, how fun. are we going to afford uh, making solar-powered tanks? Like, wh- wh- what about greening our military? <laughs> I, th- I thought I was the one named Elizabeth here. <laughs> oh, God. So, um, yeah, I think another <laughs> another important thing to learn for, for this for about our like present day situation is that. Um, <sighs> tax benefits for the wealthy and and restrictions on or, or lifting of restrictions on on foreign capital uh is a a very uh 
efficient and, 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 and I guess like quote unquote, like good way to, you know, spur on the development of a capitalist economy. Um, you know, the, the whole idea of like, I guess like, you know, it doesn't really trickle, like trickle down economics, not in the sense that it like literally trickles down to, to people, but the idea that you, that uh, the government should like support the capitalist class, um, is an idea that does work at and it and it works at um you know encouraging you know more capitalism um so yeah that's why that's why there's two entire global organizations that do this right <laughs> right uh and 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 it is like i mean as far as these uh sorts of um, you know, austerity measures that are uh, implemented in various like global South countries um, and other sorts of I mean, when uh, after the coup in Bolivia happened, the uh, the lift in restrictions on, um, you know, exports of lithium um, and, and things of, of like that. Um, it is a thing that does uh, encourage like more like capitalism. And so the, you know, when we talk about the the sort of revitalization of Trinidad's economy in the late 1700s, um, you know, we're talking about a situation where like, you know, in the case of the stock market, the line is going up, but it's, it's a situation that is, you know, created and dependent on, you know, in the case of Trinidad in the 1700s, slavery. And in the case of, you know, today, like forcing, you know, low income people to go to work physically in the middle of a global pandemic, such that, uh, you know, the, the situation in, um, you know, for example, uh, Orange County in California is such that, uh, in South Orange County, the amount of coronavirus cases is actually quite low. Um, and in, uh, North Orange County, the more like working class part of Orange County where people, you know, actually physically go to work in order to serve the pe- the rich people in South Orange County, the cases are skyrocketing and they continue to rise. Uh, the last time I checked, they were like above 10%. Um, and they're just only going up. And, like, this is the sort of thing that, you know, while the people in South Orange County, you know, things, you know, can go well and, you know, add, uh, you know, the economy, you know, is still performing and, and the line is still going up. But, uh, you know, all of this, this um, economic prosperity is contingent upon uh, human suffering and, you know, exploitation of labor. And, you know, even, even not in the case of, you know, uh, in, in, in the, in the event that like the coronavirus just disappeared tomorrow, um, this would still be like, a, a an exploitative system, like the, um, wage theft. I mean, prop 22 in California just passed. So, uh, you know, the, um, rampant uh abuse of independent contractors in our state uh by app companies um and and things of that nature uh while it is sort of good on paper for the economy is not something that actually serves the people yes indeed and with that um i think we're done for the day exciting yeah thank you so much everyone for listening uh we'll be back uh next week with a patron only episode um potentially talking about uh something something elon musk uh but uh 
yeah, uh, as always, um, we absolutely love doing this podcast and we would love to continue to do it. So please support us on Patreon um, so that you can get access to our patron-only episodes and uh, make sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Jasmine. I'm Maria. Bye. Bye. Federation, the whole thing and in confusion. Carry command and character, but somehow a spell in disaster. Mr. West is your politician. I mean, you went to a big institution. And how come you can't unite 7 million? When a West Indian unity, I know it's very easy. If you only rap to your people and tell them like me, them is one race. From the same place that make the same trip on the same ship. So we must push one common intention is for a better life in the region for we women and we children. That must be the ambition of the Caribbean man, the Caribbean man, the Caribbean man. 